you're not disabled, you can't park there. I'm like, what's disabled look like? What's a disabled person supposed to look like? I think that's where people get scared of using the word disabled. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. So, Charlie, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you doing today? All good. Got coffee, so we're good. Good. Happy days. So, first question that I ask everybody is, how do you refer to your disability? Because I think everybody refers to their disability differently. So, how do um, you refer to yours? Like in general conversation, I, it, it would just be I'm disabled. That's how it is around friends, and it's probably not right. And I'd never do it around other disabled people if they weren't. I would call myself a cripple. That's just how I, within like in my friendship group, that's just what I do. Yeah. I just always have done. Like that's that's literally what I call myself. Um, but not in a bad way. That's literally just my term for it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, if I was to meet someone new, I'd say, yes, I'm disabled in this way, because that's just, everyone knows what it is. There's no second guessing. And that is the word, isn't it? A lot of people think that disabled is a bad word and a dirty word, um, but it's just the word. And I, yeah. words are words, really. It's, it's hard to describe, but yeah. Someone once said to me, and I'm quite obsessed with this quote, is that labels are for clothing, and other people's like hatred or um, like disdain of labels and clothing is the poorest form of garment and wearing it. And if you don't wear like poor people clothing, why would you accept the label? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mega. That's literally what it is, isn't it? Yeah. That's. But yeah, so I think people, especially like when it comes to like. So around my friend group, Cripple, I, I, that's just, oh, pow, I'm Cripple and all that. But my friends would never, ever call anyone else that's disabled a Cripple. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Like it's, within your own personal groups, it's fine to call yourself whatever you want to. But disabled's the easiest because everyone knows what disabled is. It's it's, it's just a word that, and that that's, it's literally, that's it. That, it's a word. It's just a word. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people who don't necessarily have disabled friends or have disability in their life don't necessarily understand. I think we get nervous calling someone disabled. Like I get it a lot in um, like walking a dog or going shopping or something. People look kind of they kind of get out your way as you're, which isn't the bad thing when you're shopping because you want to get in and get done. But and children especially, I've got no issue. I love when children come up and say what's wrong with him and stuff like that and ask about him what happened and that stuff that's fine but it's the parents that then pull them away it's like they think that being disabled is a bad thing and and all this and one thing that has happened to me twice this week because i drive a big truck i don't if you saw me in it you'd think what's this guy like and i just roll into disabled base and twice this week i've had elderly people literally coming up to my window staring at me I'm like, you're all right. Like, what's going on? You're not disabled. You can't park there. I'm like, what's disabled look like? Like, why? Why are you assuming that I'm not disabled? What? What? What's a disabled person supposed to look like? And I think that's, I think that's where people get scared of using the word disabled, is because they assume they kind of think back to the old days where disability was a bad thing, and yeah. everyone was shut away and, and they weren't allowed to be seen out in public. 
and it's still still now like people will just assume when they have, when they can't see my leg, they just assume I'm not disabled. They they will automatically because I look young and fit and healthy. They think that I can't be disabled, which is just it's so wrong. And I'll always challenge it. If anyone ever says it, I'll always challenge it. Yeah, I think what's also super interesting about what you said about a disabled bay just then is that. So the symbol for like disabled bay is someone in a wheelchair. And I think it was recently published and I can't think of where it is now, but it's something ridiculous. Like over 90% of disabled people do not identify with the symbol for disability. So no wonder there's such like a conflict when someone like yourself will turn into a disabled bay and people are like, he's not disabled because he doesn't look like that image. And you're like, actually I am. And this is also my badge. So I have one for a reason. Yeah, and then it's the classic, oh, you've stolen that, or oh, you've made that up, it's not yours, it's not for you. And like people, so I walk fine, like if I wore trousers, you wouldn't be able to tell, um, all pretty well. And people will say, well, you can walk fine, so why are you in the disabled bay? I'm like, if there was a disabled bay at the far end of the car park, I'd park there, because walking to the shop isn't an issue. Yeah. It's about I need the space, because it's my left leg. I need the space to open my door fully to swing it out, because it's really difficult. If it was right leg, you can kind of, it would be, I don't know if it would be easier or not, but... It's, I need that full space of door open to swing in. And that's what I need. I need the space. And people don't understand that. They don't get that. They just assume that a disabled person for park there needs it because they can't get to shop very easily. Yeah. Which is, again, wrong. But it's just lack of education and lack of being taught about disabilities and all that. Yeah. It's just big lack happen. of awareness and big lack of education yeah. Is, is, yeah. A, is a big thing. And I think that's something that hopefully having these conversations will make having these conversations a bit more normal yeah and like having them between disabled people means that people will not like fear that conversation as much Mm -hmm. yeah because people think that we don't want to talk about it they're like we can't because it's it's a bad thing it's it's a negative on the life whereas for me having my leg chopped off was like i was being reborn like i i'd had a uh, injury years and years ago and it was getting worse and worse and worse. I was bed bound. And then I had it off and suddenly I could do everything like do yeah. normally. So like for me, that was a huge relief having it off. But people get scared because obviously some people haven't got the, it's not that for them. It's traumatic. And then it's, it's, yeah, it's completely different. But it's just no one, people shouldn't be scared to talk about it because we like to talk about it really. It's, otherwise we feel like people are kind of talking behind our backs. If you talk directly to us, it's fine. But you can't just, yeah, just ignore, ignore it, really. Yeah, because if you're ignoring it, you're almost like completely washing over like quite a big part of like an yeah. integral part of who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's massively who I am. Like it's changed me completely. Yeah. Um, but it's a good thing. It's purely in a good way. Yeah. So with that in mind, acquiring a disability, because I wouldn't say you, you weren't born disabled, you acquired your disability. Yeah. How has that um, affected like your career, how your like your life, how it's changed, all of that? It's kind been of- like the biggest roller coaster ever because I got injured in 2012. I was in the army um, and I was just on battle PT. I hadn't even got out of my second phase of training. I've done basic. I've done all my training to get ready to deploy to regiment. I was just wait, waiting for him to go and I fell in battle PT, which is a full kit and everything, fell over. Um, I felt my leg, what I thought would happen, I thought my leg had broken. And I said to PTI, I said, I think I've done something. He's like, no, he'll be all right, carry on. So I carried on because that's what you do. Yeah. Um, two weeks later, it was still black and swollen. And I was like, something's not right. So I went to the med centre. 
And at that point, I didn't have a scan or anything. The doctor's never scanned me. He said, no, no, you've got shin splints. I was like, I've broken bones before. I've played rugby all my life. I'm fairly sure I've broken bone here. He's like, no, shin splints, go to physio. And the physios were like, this doesn't make sense. What's going on? But in the army, you can't really, the doctors, they're right and everyone else is they wrong. They have the final it? word. Yeah. The physio was like, we need to get him scan or something. He's like, no, no, treatment shin splints. So four months I was doing uh, strength building activities for shin splints. Um, and then my leg kind of blew up again after four months. And they said at that point, right, go for a scan and we'll, we'll have a look to see what's wrong. So I had an MRI scan and it showed I had a spiral fracture of my tibia. Um, like it was then five months previous. Oh my goodness. And I, I did ideal thing for that is uh, lots of rest and recovery but I've been doing strength building stuff on it um so then just yeah kind of downward spiral from there so they spent another year or so trying to fix me nothing worked um I then lost my job because by that point everything anatomically was fine all the scans were fine but the pain was through the roof yeah they they kind of say everything's fine we don't know what's wrong with you so they discharged me and said look get fit again get strong and come back uh, they basically on my discharge notes it said shin splints like um, they'd gone back to that that thing again they said oh it's probably shin splints we need this guy to get strong again then he can rejoin so I was like alright I was angry by then I started to get really yeah, angry yeah I was going to say um, and so I yeah got discharged had surgery where the doctor I had surgery with him Paul he, um, he didn't know what's wrong either he kind of said there's a few things that we can do because he, he had a lot of um ex-military guys come to him with leg problems he's like we did a periosteal strip which is where they cut a hole down by my ankle went up all that to my knee with like a wood planer um but obviously for bones and just shave the bone down to try and get rid of any calcifications and at the same operation they then went through my foot and decompressed all the nerves so basically like you know cocktail stick umbrellas like going the cocktail where they go in and open them what happens in that surgery is they put up uh thing all the way down through your nerves to the bottom by your toes open the umbrella up and drag everything out so completely like clear nerves the operation was pretty pretty yeah decent operation that took about a year to recover from that from the pain of the operation because the nerves to settle down it turns out I didn't do anything um so a year after I kind of got back to normal pain rather than operation pain um just trying to get fit again so I was doing weighted runs I was doing just as much as I could to get fit and every like six months or so, my leg would go up again and I have to stop. And then it went over three months, then two months, then a month, then a couple of weeks. And kind of six years down the line, I was bed bound, so I couldn't do anything. And then, so yeah, lost my job. I tried different jobs in between. So I did gardening for a bit because the idea was keep it moving. Yeah. That didn't work. I then went and worked inside in just a normal shop and sat down for a long time. That didn't work. So I sat down for too long. Nothing was stopping the pain. It was always like 24 seven, like huge pain. Um, and then randomly moved house and I saw a new GP and the GP said, you've got complex regional pain syndrome. I was like, what's complex regional pain syndrome? He said, basically it's my claim to fame is there's a pain index called the McGill pain index and CRPS is the highest pain thing that doctors know of. There's nothing worse than it, like amputations below it and cancer below it and all that and childbirth and everything. And yeah, CRPS is like number 45 out of 50 on the pain scale. He said like, this this happened on initial injury. So when I initially got injured, went down on battle PT, I got CRPS instantly, but they just never saw it. 
because I never had a scan, I never went to the pain doctors, I never had saw a pain specialist. The doctors didn't know what they were looking for, um, didn't see it, and basically did everything wrong and just made it a lot worse than if I'd been treated properly. Yeah. It's when I heard that, I was kind of my lowest, like I was just angry, like the the world hated me, kind of because I'd only ever wanted to be in the army. That was like everything for me. Yeah. Um, I'd lost that. Um, then when I heard that, it was like, all right, where do I go from here? And he was like, well, there's lots of things you can do, but generally you need to do them within six months of initial injury. And I was now six years down the line. So yes. I had injections. Like, yeah, it was just, yeah. Just but, kind of sailed at that point. I can now, now I can say it is what it is. At the time, like, yeah, it was just, yeah, I was just an angry person just because yeah. of everything that happened. Um and yeah, so we tried the injections into the back where they put um, like an anaesthetic into your back and it goes down. That's like you have to be laid on the table under an x-ray because when the needle goes in, the doctor needs to see it when it's inside the skin because it's so close to the spinal cord. If he nicks the spinal cord, that's yeah, it. that's it. Um, so he has to do that and it goes down and, and sorts all that out. And then medication, I just was on the worst medication. Like I was just dribbling 24-7. It was horrific. But I'd go shopping in the morning I then, um, Beth, my missus, I'd say, look, um, we need to go to Tesco in the evening. She's like, no, you went this morning after you dropped me off at work. I was like, what? I had no recollection of actually going shopping. Yeah. These tablets I was on were so bad. Just so um, strong that it was sending you to the moon and back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, did, did kind of a year of all the medication they could have given me and all the like, physio and everything. Nothing was worked and getting worse. I was, yeah, just in bed all the time, just playing Call of Duty. I'm really good at Call of Duty now. Um, <laughs> so I played that a lot. Um, and yeah, just at the end of the day, I said, look, can you just chop it off? And the doctor was like, it's a pain, it's a pain, like nerve condition. It might spread. And I was like, can I just talk to, talk to a surgeon? And he put me in contact with Alex Crick, who she is based out of Salisbury and she did about 40% of all the amputations out of Afghanistan. And she knows her stuff and she's done a lot with ex-military guys. And she said, I went there and I, I wrote like two page sheet of why I wanted it and why I think I'd be good like because I did loads of research spoke to the guys who had it off because of the same thing I had and I went there with two sheets of paper like, I, I read everything to her I was like this is what I think this is the research I've done into it and she's like you need to brawl that just know just seeing you I can tell that you'll be a perfect candidate for it and I was like what she's like yeah yeah we'll chop it off I was like winner Amazing. so yeah then spent yeah. like you just written like two pages of something yeah. right <laughs> yeah but nothing and I'm not the best writer either. So I'm like, duh, duh. yeah. Um, and then COVID hit. And then, so it was meant to be kind of beginning of 2020. Then COVID hit. So I had to wait till the end of 2020. So yeah, November the 12th, 2020, had it off. And um, yes, yeah, so I was in huge pain, obviously, leading up to it. The weirdest thing is I walked in to get my own leg amputated. So I walked into the hospital, pushing a wheelchair with the stump board on it ready to have my leg amputated. Um, yeah, walking in there, I was fine. Like literally, I was excited. And then you went under the knife. Um, two hours later, woke up and I've not had any pain since. I haven't taken any medication, nothing. That's I was that is amazing considering what you went through. Yeah, it's um just it was just the biggest like relief ever. I'm still kind of to this day, I they can't stay forever, it'll be gone forever. So it's kind of every day I just do what I can because I had eight years of doing nothing. Yeah. And having like, and it was just like having your dream job ripped away from you like that before you'd even really got started. I was in for like three years, but hadn't really done what I wanted to do and all that. And yeah. 
And then you kind of, when you're in pain like that, you shut yourself away. So I just lived inside and I just lost all my friendships just because I didn't, I've always been quite a strong person. Like, and I didn't want people to see me at my weakest kind of thing. I always tried to pretend it wasn't there. I kind of made excuses and everything and just sat inside for ages. And now it's just, I'm just a new person. I feel like I was when I was a teenager. Like that person's back again, whereas all my twenties were just gone because I was in pain. Yeah. Um, so it's been like a bit of a roller coaster in my life. Um, but it's good now. It's, it's all good now. Can't complain now. That's like, I'm sad that you had to go through all of that to get to the end point, but now you're at the end point and also yes. you're like, what, a year and a bit down the line now after yeah. having taken it off and you're smashing CrossFit. Like, doing all right, yeah. yeah <laughs> I think you're doing more than all right. You're pretty, smashing it pretty hard. So, you know, positives and negatives, if you're going to take like a positive away from it, you know, you've, you've got some really good things that have happened to you because of what has happened to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I'm a be- I'm a stronger person for it. I wouldn't say a better person. Um, it's it's weird because people say, oh, a lot of people say you don't need trauma to to grow as a person. A lot of people say you do. For me, the years of of just the the bad years, I, I wouldn't wish them on anyone. Like to be that pain is just and you can't see the pain either. So for me, when people come up to me and they say you're not disabled, and I show them the leg, that's easy. Now I now I know it from both sides. When I was I needed that blue bad spot a lot more when I had my leg on because I could hardly walk and the pressure of my foot, like the, the wind on my skin would send me into massive pain. Like jeans on I couldn't wear jeans for years because feeling the material rub my leg was, was just unbearable. Like just one make be sick kind of thing, like blackout pain. Like it was horrific. Um and now when someone says, walks up to me and says, you don't, you don't deserve that be bad. Why have you got it? I just showed my leg and it's missing. And, the, and they accept that. But if that happened three years ago, I'd have been in absolute shit state. Like, couldn't, like I'd have been horrific. And they wouldn't be able to tell because I've got a leg. It looks normal. Um, sometimes it would go purple and blue and stuff, but that's fine. But th- I feel, I do feel sorry for people that have got not obvious disabilities that are then harassed by members of the public that don't believe them because they don't look disabled. That's what bothers me these days. And this is which why I always, whenever someone comes up to me and says that, I'll always challenge them because there are people out there that won't because they're so nervous and everything because if they can't prove it, not they should have to, Yeah, but they can't. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really interesting hearing you talk about how it's made like made you a stronger person because I always think that because of my disability I'm quite tenacious and like I don't yeah. I, can't, I never really give in unless mm-hmm. unless I'm like tapped out to give in yeah I'm just wondering if there's any like from going through all of this is there anything like a positive attribute that you have that you've gained from going through all of that I used to be very probably selfish is the right word so I joined the army and I just wanted to be the best at everything um, for me. Like I wanted, all I wanted to do was just do what I could do, get to where I wanted to be. I had goals and what I wanted to do, wanted to get there. Everything I did was for me to be better at that, not to be a better person, just to be a better soldier and to go further in my career. Now, I so for instance, I've taken my adaptive and inclusive course and I want to, I just want to actively help people that have been either going through stuff or especially people that were 
I think born with disabilities because being in the army, you get a lot of help, not from the army. The army, they were, they have, they've been awful since I've left. Um, they've been rubbish, but there are plenty of charities out there that do help you and you've got the help there. But I play wheelchair rugby as well. And there's lots of guys there and girls, some strong girls that hit really hard um, that don't get the help. And they, they can't go to the gym because they, they can't get into the gym or they can't, there's no teaching of how they should use machines. And exercise has helped me no end because when I was so angry, for, for years I was just built up anger. I just, you couldn't be around me. I was just a horrible person. I'll openly admit that. But for me, exercise helped. Yeah. So that made me, it got rid of my aggression. And people that can't, they don't have the knowledge of how to go and do stuff and like go to the crossroads and do stuff. You can adapt to anything, but you can only adapt if you know how to. A bit of common sense helps, but. Yeah. Well, it's like the, like the same like phrase, isn't it? That you don't know what you don't know until someone shows you. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I want to, now that I've, I'm in a much better place, I want to help people become better versions of, as cliche as it sounds, I do want to help people become better versions of themselves especially people in the disabled community because they don't get that help and they don't get, so I'd love to, one day I'd love to be able to, I don't know, just even if it's one person a day, just give up my time to just help them progress a bit and, and realise that there's more to just being sat at home kind of thing. Yeah, I can, I can, that resonates with me quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree because I think you're very right in saying that people born with disabilities might not necessarily get the same help that those who acquire their disabilities get. Because I think once you're born with a disability, like I was, yeah, it's kind of like, well, that's life and yeah. move on. Like yeah. you now have to adapt things for yourself unless you're, you know, when I was younger, I had a lot of like help from, from hospitals and all that kind of stuff, but it was never really that great. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big, um, there's a big lack of knowledge, education, not necessarily sure if that will ever be bridged between like OTs, physiotherapists, doctors, because they they don't have that disability. So therefore they can't necessarily help. It was more like practical. It was more yeah. like, this is what you're given. This is how you yeah. do this. And I mean, I'm sure you've probably found the same is that you adapt to however you want to adapt. It's not like there's a rule book for it. It's not like you must hold, you know, you must hold your cup like this or you must walk like mm-hmm. that and you must take like three steps at a time, all that kind of stuff, because that's not really how the world works. And I'm not really ever sure if there's ever going to be like a bridging of the gap between that knowledge that disability um, professionals as such have and then those who are actually disabled have. I'm not sure that there's ever going to be like a point in time where that knowledge gap is bridged unless disabled people step in yeah actually that doesn't work in a hypothetical situation it might Mm -hmm. however it doesn't in practicality yeah i think going down that line is like where from what i've seen in the prosthetic sentence when i've been learning to walk and stuff again is that they've got their their plan of how you should do it yeah and this is how you should do it week one this is where you are week two this is where you are but I was fortunate. Like I was walking after five weeks. Um, I was running after 10 weeks, I think it was. But some people that lose a leg can't run after two years. Some people never run. Yeah. Um, I was really fortunate that my recovery was really good. Um, 
I looked into it a lot and I took the right kind of nutrition stuff and I ate well and I did everything I could to make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's when you go in there and you've got people that are told, this is what you should be doing, this is how you should do it, go and do it kind of thing. What I want to do is set up something in the gym where they can come and we can work out what they want to do and how they achieve it, yeah. not within a certain guideline. Because I, I get why they do it at the prosthetic centres and all the physio and rehab centres. It's because it's NHS, they've got a certain amount of money. What they do is incredible, but they need, they can't treat everyone on an individual basis because yeah. they, need, they haven't got the time and the resources to do it. Whereas I'd love to be able to help people by saying, look, this is what we want to do. Let's find how we can do it. Rather than being told this is how you'll do it, I want to say let's find how you can do it. Because everyone does things differently. I'm sure you, I'm sure, with with a leg, it's walking that you you learn how to walk. I'm sure with an arm, things like tying shoe legs, cutting an apple, doing things like that. Everyone does things differently. Like I'm sure you're taught how to. This is how you should do it. Whereas everyone could do it differently, and probably does now when they like grow up. They figure things how to do them. And they do it for themselves. Whereas I assume that when you're being taught to start with, it may have been different for you because it was um, from childhood. But if, you, if say, someone loses an arm, they then probably go to a rehab centre and they're like, this is how you chop up cheese or this is how you butter some bread or something. All things that, to me, is like that fair play, like how do you butter a bit of bread? That's just mad to me. But all stuff that you've got to learn. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'd rather t- I'd rather find someone's, how they'd naturally do it, how the body would naturally learn how to do it, rather than being told, this is how you'll do it, and I'll do it. Agreed. And I think that's, I think that's like a really good, really good goal to have. And I think, you know, I, I wish you every success with that. Cause I think you'd be amazing at helping people with that, especially considering you have been through what you've been through. You're probably one of the better people to talk to about it. Cause you'll be able to resonate with a lot of people on a lot of different levels. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think so. I think you'll be fine. So with all of this in mind, and, and especially talking about, you know, things that you would want to do, you know, helping people give them your time and help them like adapt things to themselves what's one bit of advice that you would give for either a younger version of yourself or a younger person with the same disability as you difficult because if it was um i knew i was having leg amputated and in that year before i had it off I took myself to the gym and because my leg was coming off, I put myself through the pain of doing things like strength. When you have your leg off, core and hip flexors and hip adductors, they're massively important. So what I did, I surrounded myself with people that were similar to what I was going to be and asked them what to do. Uh-huh. And all they said was strengthen your core, strengthen your hips, strengthen all of that. So I went to the gym every day like, and it hurt. I got really strong before I had the operation and that helped me no end. And another thing, like post-amp, what I did, so because I had it off in COVID, I didn't get any physio because that you just we weren't allowed to go in hospital. So I think yeah. I had two physio sessions in the whole time that I've had my leg off. Um, so I just went on YouTube and I found videos of people. Luckily, there's a couple of videos out there of people that had their legs off and they say, this is the best we have to do. So I then every day just forced myself to do little and often and just take it slowly, listen to your body, because a lot of people that have their leg off, they do too much, and then their leg gets sore. And once you get sore, you can't wear your leg, you're then off it for a week. So all, all I did was just make sure I paid real close to my stump and made sure the skin was always good. 
and just take your time. I want when I could walk, I wanted to run, but you've just got to hold yourself back. And if I was younger, I'd have been sprinting, like I'd, I'd have gone. But because I'd been through all the years of kind of going down and down and down, I knew that if I went down again, that's a slippery slope for my head more than anything. Yeah. So I just took my time. I think the, the main thing is patience. Just be absolutely just just chill out. You haven't. It's just day by day, and just keep your stump clean. As weird as it sounds, like that is the most important thing. Like as long as that's clean, just pay attention to it. Make sure your skin's all good. You're good, really. Amazing. And so, interestingly, I always find that one question particularly annoys me about my disability, and it's always, "What happened?" And I think that's because I was born with a disability. Yeah. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So I want, like, I ask everybody this. Is there one particular question that annoys you or that you just find is repetitive or always comes up when talking about your disability? I'm with you. What happened? Like, because if I'm walking the dog, someone will see me and go, what happened to your leg? It's like, why does that matter? What, why does what happened to my leg matter to you? Um, and not purely for the fact that it annoys me, but I've got mates, because I, I was in the army, I lost it. I wasn't in Afghanistan. I didn't lose it there. But I've got mates that did. And if you ask someone that was potentially blown up what happened, you could be triggering that in their head. Yeah. Like you, you, I just, that really, really bothers me. Someone going up to someone saying, what happened? Um, because you don't know what you're doing to them inside. Like, you don't know what's replaying in their head. Like, it's just, for me, that really, really gets me. It is the whole what happened. And I expect... I thought that's probably the main thing with all amputees, I reckon, is the what happened one. It's just the one question that just don't ask it. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about it. If we want to talk about it, we'll talk about it, but just don't ask us what happened. Yeah, because it can be a very intrusive and also, like like you said, quite a traumatic question to yeah. ask. Yeah. You, you don't know what your setting off is not the right word, but you don't know what domino effects you're having by asking exactly. that question. Yeah, yeah 100%. And for, it, it turns me into a nasty person, that question, because it, it that I'm I'm lovely. I'm really nice, <laughs> now, but, but I used to be horrible. Yeah. And for me, all down to my initial injury. But for me, that would just make me go, want to like pick something on them and go, why is that like that or something like that? Because you just don't ask people about why they look. It's, without being funny, it's like me going up to someone that's massively overweight and going, why are you so fat? Yeah. But that's that's how I see it in my head when people ask me that. But that's how I see it. Or it's like going up to someone that's really struggling with um, anorexia saying, just eat a meal. You can't just ask that. It's, it's not that simple. And that really, yeah, you start me off now, won't I? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but, but no, that, that, that's it. It's the what happens. Just, yeah, people just, that's not really something that that people should ask, I think. But some people, I'm, I'm, I might be wrong. There might be some entities that that like that question um, and don't mind. The one one thing I will say is that I don't mind it when children say it because I they're think being it's inquisitive. Very different when it comes from children than when it comes yeah. from adults. Yeah, because children are just, they're just inquisitive creatures. They just want to know things, and it's fine. And I always have a laugh with them. I'll say like, I didn't eat my greens or something, or. Yeah. I should have eaten my crusts on my bread when I was younger. I'll just say stuff like that just for a yeah. laugh. But they don't know any different. They're, they're just being inquisitive. That's their nature. So it's fine. Yeah, for adults to start saying it, it's, um, yeah, no. Yeah. Because sometimes I think from adults, 
To a certain extent, I think when you're confident in your disability, it, it can be quite threatening mm-hmm. because it's different. And yeah. you're like, I would say I'm incredibly secure in my disability. And, you know, part and part of that is I haven't really had a choice not to be. Yeah. Because if I've wanted something, I've had to go after it myself and figure mm-hmm. out a way to do it myself. But sometimes I think from adults, when you are, you know, very secure in your disability, it can be like very threatening. So almost for, for me, sometimes I find that if someone says what happened, it's almost it can be malicious mm-hmm. and it can be almost like a way to peg you down. Whereas like I'm that much of a, I was going to say asshole, but someone's going to have to edit it out and put it. Yeah. I don't know what, like, I don't know what the other word, like, yeah. word is. I would, I'm, you know, I'm strong enough to turn around and be like, actually that's a really really rude question and what you've yeah. done there is actually incredibly traumatic but it's a good thing that I'm secure in my disability and I will tell you however yeah. have you had you asked someone else who wasn't secure in your disability you don't know what you've just set off yeah so for me that you you turn around and saying that for me all I'll do is say why so fat that that would be my pure answer I'll say that and walk off um I don't get it as much as I used well I, I don't get it a huge amount I don't get the because I like probably you are i'm very confident with it i always walk really tall i like it's just who i am i'm a very confident person um where if you you look to me walking down the street you think oh he's confident um and people generally tend to stay away i'm also the lucky thing with me is being quite tall and quite big people tend not to go asking questions how tall are you uh six three yeah, oh sat down you're a giant. You're literally yeah. a giant. You are yeah. actually a whole foot taller than me. That's yeah. going to look great in the pictures, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't aware, myself and Charlie are actually competing together as a team later on this year. And that means that when we're stood side by side, you are literally going to be a foot taller than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which means the rowing stuff. I'll smash the rowing. I love oh, rowing. rowing. You are, that yeah. is you. And I'll, and I'll wall balls, wall balls are spot on. I'm so bad at wall, but perfect. We're yeah. honestly with a perfect team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's why I don't really get much issue. And my my walking face is very much I'm going to kill you kind of thing. So if I'm walking down the road, like people tend not to get in the way. That's just who I am. Like that that's my that's my um, that's how I look. Um you I'm actually have a resting bitch face and that's okay. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, and I love it. Um I'm actually quite nice. Like gem- generally quite nice, but yeah, if you don't, if you, you don't. see Charlie in the street, you can go up and talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going out, I promise. Unless you ask me how it happened, then I might. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. I think it's been a really insightful chat. Um, yeah, I really, me. really enjoyed this because I think this is a very different spin on disability than what I've had before. Because yeah. everybody I've spoken to so far has been born with their disability, whereas you've acquired yours. And yeah. I say acquire on purpose because I don't think become the the phrase becoming disabled I find quite problematic Mm -hmm. because I think and it goes back to what you said earlier about disabled is a bad word because people again like we've said fear the idea of disability so like becoming disabled can can seem really awful whereas when you acquire something generally generally when you acquire something it's a good thing Mm -hmm. and like you know after speaking to you I would say I know you kind of quite well it seems like your disability was a good thing for you. Acquiring oh, disability yeah. was a good thing for you. Yeah, 100%. I fully agree with that. So, yeah. So, thank you so much for coming on and um, I will speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.